um, initiative uh, that I've been asked to lead. It's called the Online Havara. Havara is a, is a small group, um, uh, Jewish small group, uh, family, uh, friendship, fellowship, kind of a thing, kind of like our small groups that we meet in homes, home groups. Uh, and, uh, and so we are doing what we call an online Havara. We were going to do it uh, in people's homes. Uh, we were going to look for a person of peace, you know, like out of Matthew 10, uh, and then meet in their homes and invite their Jewish friends and family to come and join us. But then, then uh, COVID hit, so we came up with the idea of online Havaras. So we, we have, a, um, we have a, uh, a database of about 10,000 or so Jewish believers in, in, in Jesus, and a database of about, about 2,000 or so Jewish unbelievers uh, in Jesus. And we contacted those people and invited them to six regional Havara meetings all across the country. I mean, it's online, but it's, in, it's, in the, it's based on region, based on time, time zones. And we have two meetings a week uh, for people who can come in the morning and people who can come at night. Uh, and, uh, and we did that during the high holidays for six weeks in a row. Uh, and, uh, and we had, uh, we had about 130 people sign up. About 100 of them were Jewish people. Uh, and about, about 25 of them, 25% uh, of those people showed up uh, for, for the meetings. It's small, small beginnings. Uh, but we ask for your prayer. Pray that this would grow. We're going we're to do it again uh, in, in December and then again in the spring. Uh, and uh, we're hoping to make connections with Jewish believers uh, so that we'll start, uh, online, we'll start online Havaraz or, or, or in-person Havaraz with them in their home. That's why it's done regionally too, so we can move from online to, to, to uh, personal uh, when this thing goes away. And I pray it goes away quickly. Um, and, uh, and then, um, and then and so, and so, we're, we're, so we're, what we want to do is, is we know the gospel travels best on, through relationships. And so we want to connect with the friends and family of the Jewish believers who are Jewish people and, and bring the gospel to them. So, so we've got, we've got the, uh, the seed uh, planted and ask you to pray to water that seed. And as I think of prayer, uh, uh, if, if you're not getting my prayer letter, I really would value it if you would get my prayer letter so you could be, know how to pray for our ministry. Uh, there, there are, we have the, uh, my brochures in the back. Uh, you've seen these before, I'm sure. Most of you have seen me be here before. You've seen our brochures. There's a stack of them in the back table, uh, if you haven't got one already. And, uh, and you can sign up for a prayer letter uh, that way, and that way you'll, you'll, I send that every month, tell you what's going on. Usually it's with stories about the mission field, you know, what's going on there. So, uh, so please do uh, sign up and, and so you know how to pray for the work uh, that we're doing and, and that you're supporting. Uh, so we appreciate that very much. One, uh, one last thought is I'm going to Israel uh, God willing, May 17th through May 27th uh, in, uh, in 2001. That's why, I'm, that's why I'm very confident this is going to be over by then, you know, uh, and so, we, so we can all go to Israel. So if you want to go to Israel, you, I'll, be sitting, I'll be at the back table. Just tell me you want, you, want, you want to see the brochure. I'll give you my card. You write me an email, and I'll, write, and I'll, send, you the, I'll send you the brochure, the itinerary for our trip to Israel and with all the information you need uh, to go to Israel. So, uh, so it's May 17th through May 27th. Uh, we've already reserved the airline tickets. Uh, we, haven't, we haven't paid for them yet. So what's going to happen is we're going to go to you. If you want to join us, before we pay for the airline tickets, we're going to go back to you, and we're going to say, do you still want to go? You still feel safe? If you say no, we return all of your money and all, all, of, all of your deposit. Uh, if you, if you want to go, great, we'll buy the airline ticket. So that's how it's going to work. There's, so there's virtually no risk uh, to doing this. So, uh, so we'd, we'd love to have you come and join us. And again, if you, if you, if you contact me back, I'll give you my card. You write me an email, and I'll, write you, I'll send you back the itinerary uh, for the trip and all the details for the trip. 
Um, and we will, we'll have a blast. It's a, it's, if you haven't been to Israel, it is, it is a trip of a lifetime. There's, there's nothing. Who's been there? Anybody? Uh, you got one, two, three, four, four or five. It, it is the trip of a lifetime. There's no other place. There's no place on earth like it. Uh, you're not going to want to miss it. Um, it's the place where our Lord uh, did his ministry, and, and it's just so exciting to follow his footsteps everywhere, everywhere. Um, so last time I was here, uh, I, I, I shared with you that we did a series at our congregation uh, called What in the World is Going On? Uh, and, uh, and basically, we, we, our, our people were wondering, all the Mishigas, all the craziness going on in the world, what is happening, what's this all about, how do you explain all this? So we did, like, we did like a 12-part series, ending with a panel discussion of people who, uh, who, who, who were born and raised and lived as adults under oppressive um, uh, communist governments, because uh, they, they attend our synagogue, our, our, uh, our congregation. Um, so so, uh, so we, it, was, it was a fascinating series, a fascinating time, uh, and uh, this is part of that series. And last time I was here, we talked, I talked about uh, the... Um, what did I talk about? I, t- I talked about, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is the one with Babylon. So, but, so, so this, is, this is part of that series, and I and, and wanted to talk, I think this is a very timely message, because we're talking about what it means to live the exilic life, okay? Uh, if we're, 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 we're down here, we're, we're uh, you, we, we, I guess you can call ourselves exiles, we, we're, we're at least sojourners, right? We're, 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 we're strangers in an alien land, you know, uh, and, uh, and we, have the, we have this dual citizenship, uh, that, that we share, and, and I want to I talk about that uh, this morning. We're, as believers in Yeshua, we are dual citizens, right? Uh, we're citizens of this world, and, and we're, we're citizens of the world uh, of, of heaven, of the world to come and of heaven. Uh, Paul regularly and unashamedly uh, um, referred to his Roman citizenship. Remember that? Paul, Paul, you know, Paul would use his Roman citizenship, especially when he got into trouble, and that was a lot. Paul was always getting into trouble. And uh, if you wanted to stay out of trouble, you stayed away from Paul because, because he had a way of stirring it up, right? And, and uh, so Paul, so Paul would, would constantly uh, call on his Roman citizenship to sort of get him out of trouble. He was proud to have been born a Roman citizen. In fact, he makes a point of, uh, it's a point made of that in Acts, whereas the Roman captain uh, had to buy his citizenship, but, but Paul was born a Roman citizen. He also was a proud Israelite. Uh, and, and took part in the body politic of Israel, did he not? It says at one point in, in Acts chapter 26, verse uh, 10, it says that he cast his vote against th- those who were of the, of, of the way. Uh, so he was, he was voting, he was participating in the body politic of his, of his own country, or at least the, the judicial aspect of his own country. Uh, but now Paul also knew that his primary allegiance was not to Rome, was not to Israel, but it was to heaven. His primary allegiance was to heaven. He was a citizen of heaven. He says, uh, Paul says in Philippians 3.20, but our citizenship is in heaven, okay, where we, we await uh, a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus, the, the Messiah. Paul, first and foremost, was, was a citizen of heaven. But there is a tension here, right? We, we, we live in this tension between our, our, this dual citizenship of being a, a citizen of earth and a citizen of heaven, to be in the world, but not be of the world, as Jesus taught us, right? We're to be here, fully present in this world, but not of the world around us. We are called to be fully present and, uh, here physically and fully present with the Lord in, in heaven spiritually, right? In fact, we're, we're, said we're seated with him in heavenly places. 
That's what it says. Now, obviously, physically, we're not seated with him in heavenly places, but spiritually, we are seated with him in heavenly places. We are called to live this world's, uh, live in this world with the values of heaven. That's the calling we have here. Now, this is not an easy task. It takes thought. It takes prayer. It takes, it takes courage and faith to live that, that kind of, of life. Uh, there, there was a, a Dutch believer, uh, a politician. His name was Abraham Kuyper. Anybody ever heard of Abraham Kuyper? There's one, one Kuyper person. Okay, here. Abra a Abraham Kuyper wrestled with this tension in his life. Uh, he was an extraordinary man, uh, with, along with, uh, had many, many achievements, including serving as the Prime Minister of the Netherlands from 1901 to 1905. He founded a major newspaper in Amsterdam. Uh, he, he founded the Free University of Amsterdam, which still exists today and still operational today. He, he also found the Anti-Revolutionary Party of the Netherlands. Uh, he, he was first and foremost, though, a believer in Jesus. He, he was a lover of Jesus and a believer in Jesus. In fact, he was a, pa he was a pastor's kid. He was a PK. Uh, and as such, he tried to think through how the body of Messiah could remain true to its spiritual mission while at the same time influencing the culture for, for, for Jesus. He came to understand that the, the, the church uh, was an institution and an organism, both an institution and an organism. And institutionally, it was to gather together for regular worship, it was to preach the word of God. It was to lead people to faith. It was for teaching and training and discipleship. It was to select leaders. It was to build community. It was to reach out to the world in mercy. And it was to celebrate Christ. The body of Messiah was to be a radical, alternate community to the world. Uh, and, and, and yet anyone who wanted to join could join that radical, alternative community. This expression of the body of Messiah was to be a religious, spiritual expression. It should not be involved in politics. The, the, the church as an institution should not be involved in politics, thought Kuiper. But Kuiper also understood the body of Messiah, the, the church, as being an organism, okay, as being this living thing. He, uh, he understood believers should take their new, their new minds and their new hearts and their new perspectives into the surrounding communities to be salt and light in that community. He believed that believers should radiate, I'm, I'm quoting him now, radiate beams of faith's light into the realms of what he called common grace, the realms of education, art, science, politics, business, economics, the marketplace, you name it, whatever, wherever there is human society. He felt that, that we should be permeating those as individual believers in those areas, even as, in, as groups of believers as well. The, the new life that believers possess should be manifested through the rich, voluntary associations of the life of a, of a nation, uh, any nation. Indeed, Kuiper believed that that, this should, we, that, that uh, we had a work to do as individuals and as groups uh, to, uh, to show forth and to actually make culture, uh, to create culture ourselves. We should be building businesses. We should be organizing neighborhoods. We should, we should be creating charities. We should be artists and musicians and writers and start political action groups and all of those things as individual believers. 
In other words, believers should bless the world they live in with heaven's values and heaven's ethics apart from the institutional church itself. Now, I find this interesting because it, it sounds an awful lot like what Jeremiah wrote to the exiles in Babylon in 593 B.C. So, uh, so, so Kuiper wasn't the first person to come up with this. It, uh, it actually sounds so much like what Jeremiah wrote in Jeremiah 29, verses 4 through 7. You have your Bible with you. Turn to Jeremiah 49, 29, verses 4 through 7. This is going to be our text for the morning. Um, so let me get there. Um, and, from, and, and so, we, and, and so we, from this instructions that Jeremiah gives to the exiles, I believe that we have some excellent guidance in how we are to respond to the craziness that we are witnessing in the world around us today. I believe we are called to live this exilic life, this, if you, this sojourning life of ours, and that we, we're called to live, and, and this, this time 2,600 years later. Okay, so, so we can bless our, commu- our community and our society with shalom. That's the next, the next slide. We can bless our... Oh, there it is. You got it up there. Good. Thank you. Um, how by living out the principles of peacemaking found in Jeremiah 29, 4 through 7. So if you have your Bibles open, we'll read that. Jeremiah 29, verses 4 through 7. Thus says Adonai Tzavaot, the Lord God, the God of Israel, to all those in captivity whom I removed as captives into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them also. Build and live in them. Also plant gardens and eat the fruit. Take wives and have sons and daughters. And take wives for your sons and give your daughters to your husbands so that they may bear sons and daughters and multiply there and do not decrease. Also, seek the shalom of the city where I took you as captives in exile and pray to the Lord for it. For in its shalom, you shall have shalom. You shall have peace. Um, so, uh, so here we are. Uh, it's 593 B.C. Uh, it's uh, four years earlier. The Babylonians under Nebuchadnezzar II marched into Jerusalem on, on March 16th, actually, on March 16th in, in 597 B.C., and they took King uh, 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 Jeconiah, or Jehoiachin, same person, uh, prisoner uh, during that time. Uh, and they put a more compliant King Zedekiah, the uncle, uh, in charge of, of the throne of, of Judah. Uh, Jeconiah was about, uh, and about 10,000 other exiles were taken in that, in that 597 uh, exile at that time. Uh, the, this was the elite of Jewish society at that time. This was, this was the aristocrats, this was the, the, the great uh, artisans and craftsmen and, and leader, business leaders and merchants and so forth. They took the best of the best uh, during, during that time. The prophet Ezekiel was actually taken during this time in, fi- in 597 uh, B.C. Daniel was actually taken 10 years earlier in about 606, 605 uh, B.C. So he was, Daniel was already in uh, Babylon at that time. Now, while this exile um, is, uh, there, there, a false prophet emerged. His name was Hananiah. And Hananiah said, don't worry about it. Told the exiles, in seven months you'll be coming home. Uh, you'll, be, you'll be on your way home. Don't worry about it. This is not going to last. Hananiah was dead in seven months. Uh, uh, not, and, and he, and as, as the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah for that. Um, and there was no relief. There was no relief in sight uh, for the exiles. God was doing something else at that time. He was not rescuing the exiles. He was, he was allowing them to go into exile for his own purposes. Instead, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah again in 593 B.C., 
that's 2,613 years ago. Jeremiah wrote it down and put it into a letter and sent it to uh, the, the Jewish exiles in Babylon. It was carried by a couple of guys named Eliash and, uh, and Gemara, uh, and they were royal couriers probably taking some, some uh, communications to the king of Babylon from King Zedekiah. Remember, Jeremiah is a priest. He's, he's part of the elite of society. Uh, he probably had access to, uh, to these couriers. Uh, the letter was the Lord's direction to the exiles. It was his word of how, teaching them how to live in exile at this time, at this time in, the, in the history of Judah. They were away from the land. They are away from the temple. They are away from their families. They are away from their businesses. They are away from their fields. They are away from everything. How do you live life? How do you make it work? What were they supposed to do in light of the terrible situation that they found themselves in? This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those that I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. What's the first point? You're not there by a mistake. You're there because I want you there. Okay, for whatever reason. The reason was idolatry, but that's, that's the, another, another issue. Um, he, sa he said, uh, it, what he's saying is it's his doing. God is in this, God is doing this, God is bringing them there. It's not an accident, it's not a mistake, it's not a temporary glitch. You know, it's something that God was doing. They are, they are exiles because God wanted them to be there. He decided to bring them there. Now, they may not like it, they may, they may not be, but they were in the center of God's will being in Babylon. You know, did you ever feel that way, that you were in Babylon? You know, and did you under, but, but did you understand it as being in the center of God's will? Well, sometimes... We're in Babylon, and sometimes we're in the, and, but we're right in the center of God's will, you know, uh, in, in, in those difficult places in life. Um, as such, uh, they are not to resist the exile. Don't kick against the goats. Don't fight the exile. You're there because I want you there. Don't fight your captors, he's saying. And rather, he says, build houses, settle down, plant gardens, eat what they produce, in other words, unpack your bags and make Babylon your home. You're not going anywhere fast. You're staying there for a while. Now, later we're going to learn they had about six, six, at least 60 years left uh, in Babylon. This is a 70-year exile. This is a 70-year exile. Depending, it's 70 years from, from the first exile to, to, to the decree to return to Jerusalem, or it's 70 years from the destruction of the temple to the rebuilding of the temple. However you want to measure it, it's 70 years. You know, however you, however you want to slice it. Um, is anyway, if you, if, you, if you look at it carefully, the subtext here is make Babylon your home. Embrace the misery that you're in. It, 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 make yourself a citizen of the place that you are in, a citizen of the Babylonian Empire. Get involved in the community. Become an organic part of the community that you are in. Oh, you can sing the songs of Zion still, that's okay, and you remember where you're from. I, wa I want you to sing the songs of Zion, you know, but, but right now you're, you're to be good citizens of the place where I have you. Good advice for we citizens of heaven today, right? We must always remember our citizenship is in heaven, that, that that's our first allegiance is, is, is in heaven. But we are where we are because God wants us to be where we are. You know, that's what it says in Acts chapter 26, uh, excuse me, Acts chapter 17, verse 26. It, it says that, that God has placed us exactly where we are for a reason. That that's there for a reason. We're, we're supposed to understand, 
you know, that, that God is in control and God is in charge and God is moving and directing our lives. Acts chapter 17 and, and verse 26. Let me read that. Um, from, uh, from one he made every nation of men to live on the face of the earth, having set appointed times and the boundaries of their territory. They were to search for him and, and perhaps they could grow for him and, and find him. So he set the boundaries for our territory. Uh, this is our lot. This is, uh, this is where God has us. We're supposed to make the most of it. As, as Jesus said, be in the world. Be in the world that you're in. Accept and even celebrate the community or the society that God has you in. Okay, whether it's Brooklyn, whether it's Connecticut, whether it's Essex, Essex Fells, New Jersey, it doesn't matter. It's celebrate where God has put you. You're there for a reason. We need to embrace our destiny and bloom where we're planted, wherever that may be, embed ourselves into the world that God has called us to. We need to get to know the people around us. We need to know our neighbors. We need to know, our, know the people in our voluntary associations that, that we associate, get involved in voluntary associations uh, in the community around us. As Jesus taught, let your light shine before men. How are people going to see your light if, 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 you're hiding, if we're hiding in our houses and, and, and in our, in our uh, uh, places of worship? You know, we, we need to get out of the, we need to get out, that, get the bowl off our light, get, the, get out of the salt shaker and into the places that God has for us. Don't withdraw from life. Now, I know some of us are, are not active social people. You know, we, we, we tend to be quiet and more, more, more withdrawn people. I get that. I understand that. It's all going to be based on, on a lot of personality. Uh, but I, I think it's healthier to be involved than to not be involved. I think it's healthier for us, and I think it's healthier for the world around us that we be involved. So sometimes we may have to force ourselves to get out into the world, you know, and mix it up because we're more comfortable at home. I get that. But God wants us to be involved, and, and it's healthier for us to do so, I believe. So, if, so challenge yourself to say, I'm going to get involved this year. I'm going I'm I'm to shine the light. I want the, I want the light of, of Jesus Christ to shine through me uh, to the world around me. Next, we can bless our community. Second point, we can bless our community and our society with shalom by seeking to prosper and grow in the community and society in which God has placed us. Look at verse, verse 6 uh, in Jeremiah 29. Take wives and have sons and daughters and take wives for your sons and give your daughters to your husband, to husbands, to husbands, so that they may bear sons and daughters and multiply there and do not decrease. The exiles were not only to make Babylon their home, they were to prosper while they were in Babylon. They were to increase while they were in Babylon. Uh, one of, one of the, the telltale signs of a healthy uh, culture, a healthy nation, a healthy society, is a growing population. Did you know that? Population isn't the problem. You know, a growing population where, where people, you know, you know what that means? That means that, that young men and women who are coming together as husband and wife are confident about the future. They want to have kids because they're confident the future is going to be good for their kids. Be confident. Be confident in, in, in who you are in Christ. Have, have a confidence in the future. We know that our future is bright, right? Our future is wonderful. But, but the uh, exile may have been a punishment for the Israelites, but the punishment was over. Now God was saying, I'm with you. Fear not, I'm with you. I'm with you in the exile. The punishment was the exile. Now the exile's there. I'm with you now. And I'll take you through this exile. The Lord, the Lord is, would be dealing mercifully with his children now uh, while they were in exile. 
Now he is acting in mercy and kindness towards them. The, uh, the exile's life should reflect God's live, loving care for their lives, giving them confidence about the future. Folks, God is for us. It's not against us. You know, he who would not spare his own son, but gave him up for us, how he will not also with him give us graciously, give us all things. God is on our side. He's for us. You know, you fear not. He is with you. He's going to be with you in, throughout, throughout any sojourn or any exile that you must go through in your life. He, he's given us the most valuable thing in the world, Yeshua the Messiah, Jesus the Messiah. You know, what, uh, anything else is just, is just gravy. I mean, it's, it's like, it's like a, a father promising a son. If you, get, if you get on the honor roll when you graduate high school, I'm going to give you a special gift. And so he, he graduates high school on the honor roll, he comes home, and there is a jet black Porsche with, with gold inlay, you know, 20 karat gold inlay on the, on, on the dashboard everywhere. You know, and he goes in there and he, and he says, whoa, no, this is awesome. You know, and he, and, he, and he gets the key and he turns the key, and the, the, the engine rums up, you know, and, he's, and he starts you know, laying his hand, his, his foot on the gas pedal, and he, hearing all, the, all those horses going, you know, in the, uh, in, in the car. And, and then he, he says, oh, this is great. And he's, and he's about to put it into gear. And he says, oh, he realizes he's like down below, almost below empty in gas. So he yells out, he says, Dad, can you give me 20 bucks for gas? The father comes out and says, 20 bucks? What, are you trying to ruin me? It makes no sense, right? Right, of course not. I mean, if God would give us the best that he has in, in Jesus the Messiah, how, would he, not also, how would, would he not also with him graciously give us all things that we need in our life? You know, he wants to increase. Not, he wants us to increase and not decrease to grow spiritually, to increase in love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. He wants to increase our influence for him in the world. He wants us to get out there and to influence the world around us for him. He wants to bless the world uh, through us for his glory. He will never leave us or forsake us. He'll always be with us. He will supply the resources that we need to accomplish the work that he has for us to do. He wants to grow his kingdom through us. We just need to trust him. We just need to step out in faith and trust him for what, for what he has for us in our life. No matter where you are, no matter what you are in life, whether, whether you're, whether you're uh, just starting out in your career or, or, or coming to the end of your career or somewhere in between or, or, or enjoying your retirement, it doesn't matter. He wants, you, he wants you to be used of him right now during this time in your life. Everywhere, he wants us to be used. In other words, we, if we take care of his business, if we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he will add everything unto us. Don't you believe that? Don't you believe that he will? He'll, he'll keep his word. We, do, we watch out for his business. He watches out for our business. He takes care of us. He will, he will care for our needs. We need to have confidence in the future. As William Carey famously said, you know, uh, our future is as bright as the promises of God. Right? God's promises are good, and, and we have a great future. One final, one final point. We can bless our community, our society with shalom, uh, by seeking the welfare of the community and the society which God has placed us. That's verse 7. Um, it says, Also seek the shalom of the city where, where I took you as captives in exile and pray to the Lord for it. For in its shalom, in its peace, you will find shalom. You will find peace. 
seek the shalom of the city. Uh, shalom is mentioned three times in this one verse. Seek the shalom of the city, for in its shalom you will find your shalom. The Lord is telling the exiles to bless the place the Lord has, has brought to them. And again, he reminds them that he put them there in Babylonian exile. But he does so for a reason, so that they might be a blessing. Now, this was unheard of back then. You don't bless your captors. No, you curse your captors, right? You hate your enemies because they, 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 they plow down Jerusalem. They destroy the temple. They, they stole all the articles, all the valuable articles out of the temple. You don't love these people. The Lord says no. He says, bless these people who have done this terrible thing to Israel. Bless them and do not curse them. The Lord says, if, uh, you, will find, you will find blessedness as you bless them. The Lord is telling the exiles to be peacemakers. Folks, God is calling us to be peacemakers. I don't know what's going to happen in this election. You don't know what's going to happen in this election. We're all sort of sitting here waiting and, and, and holding our breath about it, I guess. You know, but, but no matter what happens, we're called to be peacemakers in this culture. Our, our job is, is not to emulate bad people who are doing bad things in the streets. Our job is to bring peace to the streets, uh, no matter what happens in, in, in this culture. We now, we, now, but where have you heard this before? Become peacemakers. Isn't that what Jesus taught us? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called what? Children of God, the sons of God. That's right. That's, right. That's what peacemakers do. They make peace. That's what Jesus, the Son of God, did for us, right? He made peace. We were, en we were at enmity with God. We were, we, were at, we were at war with God. We may have not known. It might have been passive or it might have been active. I don't know. But, but you know, most of it's passive. We were at war with God. And, and, and yet he, and in, the, in the midst of that, while we were still sinners, Jesus Christ came to die for our sins and made peace between us and God. So Paul was able to say, he is our peace. We, have, uh, and, and we are at peace with him. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace. Jesus is the ultimate peacemaker, not only with God, but with each other as well. That's what, it that's what it's, it, it's taught in Ephesians, right? That, that the, the, the wall of hostility between people has been broken down because of what Jesus did on the cross. So now there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, you know, there's, there's no black or white, Asian or African, European or Pacific Islander. We are all one together in Messiah. One people, one united people together. All those barriers have been smashed and broken down so that we can not only be one with God, but we can be one with each other in Jesus Christ. He has destroyed the barriers that have separated us. In Messiah, we are all one people. Baruch Hashem, praise the name. But it wasn't just his death that brought peace, it was his life that brought peace as well. Jesus showed how he loved, uh, loved life as, as, a, as a human being. He brought peace to people, between people, and, and as, 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 a, as a minister. Over and over, we see this holy man of God hanging out with the hoi polloi, hanging out with the common people. Worse, he hung out with sinners, Right? He was, he, was, he was hanging out with prostitutes and, and he was hanging out with criminals and he was hanging out with, with uh, tax collectors and sinners, the most reviled people of his culture. He did this so much so and so consistently that they actually accused him of being what? A friend, well, a friend of sinners. No one accused him of being a sinner. In fact, he even said one time, you know, who accuses me of sin? And it was, it was, you could hear crickets. 
There was no sin. They knew he wasn't a sinner, but, the, but he hung out with sinners. Second degree separation, right? He, he, he hung out with sinners. And, and it, so he was accused of being a, a wine-bibber, a glutton, and a friend of sinners. Yeshua, Jesus, entered their world to be with them. Why? He told us, it's not the well that need a physician, but the sick. He didn't come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. He befriended the needy to help them, to show them the way, to reconcile them to God, to reconcile them to the world around them. That's what peacemakers do. They reconcile people to God and to each other. Paul says we have been made ambassadors of the kingdom of God, and we've been given what? A ministry of reconciliation. That's the ministry we have, reconciling men, to, men and women to God and men and women to each other. But as we've seen in Jeremiah 29, verse 7, we've also been given a peacemaking role, a reconciling role in our communities. I believe we have a cultural mandate. I believe that, that, that Jesus Christ is Lord over everything. He is Lord over heaven, he is Lord over earth, and he's, over, he's Lord over everything in between. He is Lord. And, and, and we, uh, his, as his representatives, his ambassadors, need to uh, uh, assert his lordship wherever we go and whatever we do. We are, and we are uniquely uh, 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 suited to be able to do this, the healing and reconciling ministry. As citizens in heaven, we are not to compelled to demand perfection from life. This is important. You know, this is not our home. This is not the place where we're going to be getting all that we want to out of life. We don't have to. We've been set free from all of that. We know where we're going. We know what the future holds for us. We know, we know that, our, that, that, that it just gets, it's going to be glorious and amazing, and, and we have a, this amazing future to look forward to. This frees us up from demanding that life gives us everything we want. And it frees us up now to be able to, to, to help others and to love others in a way that we couldn't do before. We know this world is never going to satisfy our souls. I hope if you don't know that, you're probably pretty young. If, if, you're, if you're about my age, you know, you, you, you got it. You know, you, you, this world is never going to satisfy your soul, ever. Don't even try. It's a fool's errand. We can rise above the clamor and the sound and the fury of, of, of all the craziness going on and, and, and as we are in the world, but not of the world. This world is not our ultimate place of, of satisfaction. We know that heaven is that place of satisfaction. We can love the people in this broken world, but not, the, not this broken world system that we live in. Folks, this gives us a perspective on life that other people can't have or don't have. It gives, a, it gives us a distance from the selfish ambitions and vain conceits of this world. You know, on the other hand, we are called to be good citizens of this world. We can't abandon the world. Jesus never told us to abandon the world. He said, don't be of the world. Don't be like them. Be different. That means submitting, that means that, that we should be excellent citizens. We should be the best citizens that there are of whatever country we, we're, we're, we're part of. Submitting to governmental authority, so, uh, so long it's, as it's not in con conflict with the authority of God. I mean, if, if, if the government is asking us to kill innocent people, that would be wrong, right? No, we, we wouldn't do that. We would stand up against that. Um, but but, but any, any legitimate law the government gives to us, we should be obeying it and submitting to it. It means we should be paying our taxes. 
Uh, we should be obeying just laws. We should be showing honor and respect to those who are, who are governing and, and serving in government and so forth. And, and as believers, uh, we have a special role to play. We are called to bless the culture. Now, th there's one thing that we can do that really no one else can do as well as us. You know what that is? Prayer. Right? We have a direct line. We have an open door. We can go boldly into the throne of grace to receive grace and mercy. In our hour of need, we get, we get entree into the throne room of God because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Through his blood, we have entree into the throne of God. People who don't know Christ as their Savior do not have that same kind of entree that we do. So we can go before and we can pray for those in authority. And that's Pastor Jason brought that up in his prayer. And, it, and it's, what he was referring to was 1 Timothy chapter. Uh, 2, verses 1 through 4, Therefore, first of all, I urge you that requests, prayers, and intercession and thanksgiving be made on behalf of all people for kings and for all those in authority, so that we may live a peaceful and quiet life in all godliness and respectfulness. This is good and please, it's pleasing in the sight of God our Savior. He desires that all men be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Paul is connecting, you know, the, uh, praying for peace and prosperity in society, a peace and order in society, if you will, you know, with, with the opportunity for the gospel to go unmolested to the world around us. So, so this is, this is a, a, a connection between culture and the gospel that, that Paul makes in, in 1 Timothy chapter 2. We are to pray for those in authority. Folks, we, if, if we don't do this, who is going to do it? Who has the access that we have? Who has, the, who has the, the, the impetus to pray like us? If we don't do it, there's nobody out there that can do it, especially in the way that we can do it. We need to take our civic prayer ministry seriously and get in there and be praying for the culture. I know there's a lot of prayer going up right now. I get that. I'm doing it too. We're all, we're all praying real hard right now. Well, bottle that and take it with you after the election you know, and keep on praying you know, because our culture needs it. Uh, we, we are also uniquely suited for involvement in the, in the body politic. We're also uniquely suited to be involved in politics. There are many temptations here, I agree. For those of us, for those who've said, you know, be careful, you know, about going into some of these fields like politics or, or the movies or, or whatever, you're right, they're, they're fraught with potential problems, uh, with minefields, if you will. But those of us who are mature, those of us who can handle it, should be going into these areas and, and shining the light and being salt and light in those, those areas. Who, who better to do that? Uh, uh, governmental authorities are called ministers. Did you know that? They're called ministers. They're, they're servants of God. I, we, we used to have these, um, uh, um, these Sundays we would throw for the, the various officials in our, in our town uh, when I was in Connecticut. And... Um, we, we, we call them uh, 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 Public Service Sunday. And we invite all the leaders, public service leaders, uh, to, our, to our church, and we would tell them, you are ministers of the gospel. You don't even know it. You, you may not even be a Christian, but you're a minister of the gospel, you know, because you are creating a, 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 a world in which the, the message of, of the gospel can go forth. And we want to thank you. Thank you for, for doing your job so well. You know, and we would honor them during, during those times. Uh, Paul tells us that, that these are servants to do us good. Okay, whether they're pagans or whether they're Christians, they're servants to do us good. Well, um, so who better to do that than people who are actual, actually ministers of Jesus Christ? 
those who know Christ as Savior and Lord. They're probably the best people. Those, those people who are humble and mature, blood-bought disciples of Jesus the Messiah are the ones I want to be leading me. I, I can trust them the best. We, we need to have our young men and our young women getting involved in, in government uh, and being involved in, the, in these difficult areas. Thank God we have many people in government you know, who, uh, who know the Lord Jesus. Yeshua told his disciples to render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's and unto God that which is God's. So let me ask you a question. Who is Caesar in America? What? Government? Yep. Well, if you, if you said the president or the, or the uh, vice president or the, or the Congress or the Supreme Court, you would be wrong. They all serve one great master. Who, who, do, who, do, they, who do they serve? You, you, I'm, I'm talking about what? the Constitution. The Constitution is our Caesar. You know, uh, it's, not, it's, it's not the president, it's not, it's, not the, it's not Congress, it's not the Supreme Court. Our Caesar, our earthly power, I'm talking about, I'm talking about Jesus, he, he's the ultimate power, of course. But, but our earthly power is, is the Constitution in our country. It just happens to be that way for us. We're very fortunate. We're very fortunate we were, we were very well-founded. Uh, so, so the Constitution is our Caesar. What, is, what does our Constitution demand of us, our Caesar? What is he saying to us? Well, first of all, he says, you've got all these rights. Our Caesar says, you have the right to vote. You have the right to run for office. You have the right to a speedy jury trial. You have the right to speak freely. You have the right to worship freely. You have the right to assemble freely. You have the right for, to peacefully protest you have the right to keep and bear arms. I could go on and on. But what, so, okay, so there are some of our rights. What, what is required of us? What does Caesar demand of us or expect of us anyways? Um, well, I, I was reading in the U.S. Citizens and Immigration Services booklet about what they expect new citizens of America to do. And here's what they say. First, to support and defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. That's the first expectation. Second, to stay informed on the issues affecting the community. Third, participate in the democratic process, which means you should be voting. You should be voting. You, you, the, our, and our, our Caesar says you select uh, the, your representatives and your leaders. Caesar expects us to vote. We'd be, we would not be rendering unto Caesar that which is Caesar's if we don't vote. Because Caesar expects us to vote. The American Caesar says, get out to the polling places on November 3rd and, and, and choose your candidate. I think if we are not registered to vote and not submitting a ballot, then we are not rendering unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. This is our most important responsibility. But, but there are others as well. Again, uh, respecting all the laws, you know, respecting the right to, to, to the beliefs of others, to being tolerant of others participation in involuntary associations in our community, paying our taxes, as I said before, serving on jury duty, defending the country in times of national crisis, and on and on it goes. Folks, the American Caesar, our Constitution, expects a citizen to participate actively in our community, in our body politic, for its welfare and for its peace. We are supposed to be active citizens involved in the political process, in the community process, just as the Lord expected the Israelite exiles in Babylon to do in their day. That's what it means. That, that, that will mean different things to different people. You know, based on your circumstances, your ability, your availability, your age, all that stuff. But participation 
is the general rule. It's the general expectation. That way we can bless the city. Folks, our world needs the influence of heaven on us. Who is going to be that influence if not the people of God? Who is going to be the influence here in New Jersey, here in Essex Fells, if it's not the people of God? And can you think of a time more needful now than, than the time we're living, the, the crazy times we're living in today? This chaos that's consuming our culture. I can't. It's, it's like Hillel, Hillel the Great, the great Jewish rabbi, about 110 to about 10, 10, 110 BC to 1 to 10 C. He lived 120 years, they say. He said, if not us, then who? If not now, then when? If not us, then who? If not now, then when? The time to get out of the salt shaker and into the world is now. The time to remove the bowl from the light and let that light shine around us is, not, is, is now. Now is the time. And do this in the power and the grace that God gives us. We cannot do this in our own strength. We must do it in the power and grace of the Holy Spirit, empowering us, enabling us. As pastor said twice during his prayer, we can do nothing apart from him. We need to be connected vitally to the vine in order to be able to, to do this in a, in a way that, that, that honors God. If not us, then who? If not now, then when? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, grant us grace in, in all of this, Lord. We, we confess to you, Lord, that, uh, uh, that we would rather not get involved, uh, that, uh, that is, it, getting involved is, is dirty and messy and difficult, and, and, uh, and, and it's, 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 just, uh, it's just easier to avoid it all. Uh, help us, Lord Father, to, to have the, the courage and the faith uh, and, and the obedience uh, to involve ourselves in the way you're calling each of us to be involved, Father, uh, for the sake of our culture, Lord. We pray uh, mercy for our culture, Lord. Pray mercy for our nation, Father, that you, that you would give us a new birth of freedom, that you would give us a new birth of righteousness, that you would give us a, a new birth of, of uh, holding to the, the core values of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, Father, in, in, uh, in this culture, Lord, in this, in this nation, Lord. Father, I, we pray, Lord, Father, that you would bring order to our streets, that you, that you would bring justice to our courts, Father, and, and that we would abide by these laws, Father, that there would be no more rioting and no more looting, Father, and no more brokenness, Father, in this culture, and that we might emerge, Father, as a voice of sanity, Father, in, the, in this broken world that we live in today, Lord. Father, we pray, Lord, that, you'll, that we would not be passive in this, but that we would be actively involved, Father, for the good of our community. Uh, we love you, Lord, and we thank you that you love us so, and you've given us uh, Father, this uh, amazing cultural mandate as well as a gospel mandate. Help us to be faithful and boast, both. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.